What's up, world? You're about to enjoy episode 100 of the Other Side of Hell podcast. Oh, my God. We made it. As usual, we have a great topic and a wonderful war story, but you're going to want to stick around towards the end of the show because we're going to be talking about where some of the crew came from, the stuff that we've learned, what we've seen over the past. We're going to give some shout outs of the many people as we can. Yeah, you're going to want to check it out, guys. Make sure you tune in for after the war story. Episode 100. Thank you. Here we go. We at the Other Side of Hell podcast are not therapists, doctors, or counselors. We're just two guys who have been through hell and come out the other side. Please be aware, we may talk about drinking and drugging in detail. Anyone struggling with addiction may find this triggering. Our goal is to share our stories, explore our struggles, and connect with others through our experience. Remember, we are not alone. There is hope, and together we can get better. Hey everybody, what's up? I am Cameron. And I'm Willie. And I'm Jordan. Jordan, what is up? Welcome to the Other Side of Hell show, everybody. As you may have heard, we have an extra person on the front smash today. Yeah. And his name is... Jordan. Now, Jordan, we always say at the end of the show, we always say, thanks, Jordan. <laughs> and for those we of you that, that don't know, this is Jordan. Yeah, this is Jordan. For- Jordan, why is it that you have joined us on this side of the table today? Well, we figured after 99 episodes of me sitting back there and listening um, to you guys talk all the time, that it'd make a lot of sense for episode 100 for, for me to be over here. <laughs> And just regurgitating everything that I've heard for the last 99 episodes. Ring us, ring us in. Help us out. Do you want me to start now? <laughs> yeah, okay. we, should, we should have had you like uh, just chiming in this whole time. Because what you may not know is that Jordan actually has a lot of the wisdom. Yeah. We always sort of brainstorm before the show starts. And Jordan usually contributes quite a bit to the conversation. So it is... Episode 100. 100. And yeah. so we are we are celebrating with a full crew. Everybody that's involved and worked so hard on the podcast today. We've got Ryland behind the scenes here hi, for Ryland. us. Hello. <laughs> he's uh he's sitting in Jordan's spot and uh, and Jordan is sitting here and he's going to share with us today about our topic. We got our topic today from our war story from Mary. Mary who uh, who we were lucky enough to meet at uh, the uh, the L.A. convention that we were at. Yep. Um, she is a super awesome lady. And the, uh, her, the topic that we pulled from her story, which is amazing, by the way, the topic that we pulled is spiritual malady. Yeah. So this is something we haven't really t- touched on before, but um, anybody that's involved with any sort of 12-step group knows that, uh, that they talk about um, how our problem is is a spiritual malady. Um, and so I think it's worth talking about because I know in my case, you know, when I first sobered up, I was what you might consider to be spiritually bankrupt. Yeah. Um, and so what, uh, what does that mean? What are we, what are we saying when we, when we talk about a spiritual malady? Are you asking me or I'm asking, asking Jordan? Either, either one of you. Take it away, Jordan. Go, um, Jordan. Yeah, no, for me, a spiritual malady, like to realize that I was, I was bankrupt on a, was for me to realize that I was internally bankrupt was my spiritual malady, right? So 
what I was able to kind of turn my perspective on, on what I perceived as a problem in my life as being an external one and view it as an internal problem. Um, that's when I was able to finally kind of start making adjustments and changes to, you know, live the life I'm living today. So a spiritual malady for me is, is something that's an internal void, um, that's created either through negative thoughts that are just on repeat over and over again, cause that can get me there or through addiction or just, you know, just not living authentically, um, can get you there. An internal problem. For sure. And, and, you know, and that was a lot of what I was trying to do was obviously solve an internal problem with an external substance. And, uh, and I know I'm not alone, um, when we talk about that. So Willie, when, when we talk about spiritual malady, what do you think causes that? Oh man. So many having things. a, I don't know, like everybody, everybody knows my struggle with spirit, <laughs> the word spirit, right? Like, like what, what do you mean by spirit? What do I have a ghost that lives inside of me? You know, like, like, uh, I don't know. Some of us are, are deep thinkers. And so, um, I have to, I have to sit back and take in information and stop fighting it all the time. Right. Because my, my, my ism wants to take the word spirit or the word God or the, you know, all that stuff and, and like fight you on it. Right. And so then the only reason that I bring that up is because I think a lot of people can connect with, sure. with mm-hmm. that want to fight like like, well, you know, like I said, what do you mean by spirit? What do you mean by spiritual? What do you mean by all that? And so, you know, as you guys know, I went through some some spiritual change and, and I have to agree that that there's an internal struggle with inside of me. Right. That, that can't be touched. It can't be explained in a way that I've been able to understand it recently, you know, uh, uh, well, not recently, but I can't understand it as of yet. Like I still haven't been able to connect with it, but what is, is that I'm willing to accept the fact that I can't call it anything else. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, um, inside me, I have uh, conscience and I connect that with the word spirit because it's not part of my physical. And so, when I think about the word, you know, spiritual malady, I think of the internal, like Jordan was saying, struggle that's, that's not connected to my physical, the biological part of me that, um, gets physically addicted to drugs, alcohol, money, sex, all those things, but keeps me sick through my thinking the way that I look at the world. Right. And so there's a problem with the way I perceive the world around me and it puts me in a position where I don't feel safe. Yeah. And then I act out in all these insane ways that are, are really um, dangerous and detrimental to my personal well-being, you know, having promiscuous sex or being violent or inject, you know, putting drugs into your body, consuming mass amounts of unhealthy food. All those things are trying to change the way that I feel about the way that I see the world around me. Right. And so because I don't feel safe. Um, because I do feel empty because I don't feel connected, which is something that Mary talked about is that not feeling connected because I do not feel connected because I feel alone because I feel different. I'm taking something out there, hoping it fixes something in here. Right. Mm-hmm. right. And we see how quickly that, you know, is a fallacy when we start the process of, of sobriety and we begin yeah. to get sober. We see, 
um, the lunacy in that behavior yeah. of, of trying to solve an internal problem with an external <laughs> substance. And I think it, w- it became pretty clear to me, um, you know, right, right off the bat, especially, you know, given the fact that um, when I was out there using and abusing and drinking, I was also every single moral code I had was compromised. Right. <laughs> right. So, you know, not really, o- yeah. Like okay. not, not only was I, you know, lacking uh, any sort of spiritual connection to you, to the universe, to a higher power of my own understanding, but I also was, um, you know, out to hurt people. Um, and I don't want to say intentionally, but I was hurting people through my actions yeah, with the very best of intentions. Right. Exactly. <laughs> um, and, and so it became, you know, really easy just to sink further and further yeah. into that spiritual hole. Yeah. And, uh, and for me, when I, when I was able to begin the process of getting sober, I could see very clearly just how, how far things had gotten, how, yeah um, deep and dark that hole really, really was. And, and how, you know, how empty I felt inside. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I think that that's probably a pretty common thing. Um, wouldn't you, do you relate to that at all? Jordan? Yeah. I mean, that's, it comes right back down for me. It's like, well, it's, it's selfish in nature and all of its own on its own, right? Like the minute that I take myself out of the problem, the problem goes away. And then you quickly realize that things don't happen to you (laughs) at all ever. So, you know, it's like for me to have a a healthy spiritual, um, you know, state to, to exist in a healthy spiritual state, I literally have to like take me out of the picture. Like I, I, I've got to get out of my own way as we Mm -hmm. say so many different times, but that's always what it comes down to being like, it's hard to have a problem when you accept that you are your own problem (laughs) and as an accountability factor and, and take a step back and where the hell's the problem at that point in time? The minute you realize that it's all you anyways, like it's a real quick fix to step back and say, okay, well, I, I, I'm, I'm getting out of my way today. Like that's it. Yeah. And that in and of itself, I think oftentimes is, um, a spiritual solution. Like for me to actually step aside long enough to let something else happen. That's, um, that's not my, like a direct result of my action is in and of itself sort of a spiritual, um, solution because that's not me. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, that is not me trying to solve that problem. That is me allowing the problem to solve itself without my interference. Um, and to me that feels a lot like what I had to learn through the process of recovery because that was definitely not my go-to. Yeah. This, I don't know, man, this, this whole thing is so, you know, I, I, it's, it's, I have a lot of knowledge on a lot of things. I have a lot of wisdom on a lot of things, but when it comes to the spirit mm-hmm. and it comes to God, right? Like things of a spiritual nature, God, you guys, this is an area for me that I struggle with having any answers in. Right. So, so like I have to go to, I have to go to the blackboard and I have to go to the teachers, right? I have to go and be like, I don't fucking know. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. Because I want to fight that so badly, but, but 
like, let's start, let's start with, with the ground basis of, of what is a spirit? What, do, what, what is spirit? Right. Mm-hmm. What is spirit? Like R- R- Ryan, Ryland, will you do us a favor and look up what, a, right? Give us the definition of spirit. Of spirit. Because like, I want to go through and, and go, that's not my spirit. That's my emotion. I want to go through and go, that's not spiritual. That's logical. I want to go through sure. and be like, that's not, that's not God. That's coincidence. But how and much in, in that process is, is your own ego put you in it, the way right. just to all try and find it, an answer? Right. All of it. Exactly. It's all, all right. ego. Let's have it, Ryland. All right. So the definition of a spirit is the non-physical part of a person, which is the seat of emotions and character. Huh. The shul. So it sounds to me like we, can, we could also call it unconsciousness, like right, like our subconscious, subconscious, yeah, um, because it's the person that's not not physical, um, our soul, our soul. So when we talk about spiritual malady, soul sickness, soul sickness, correct. Yeah. I mean, that's what's the definition of malady? Let's get that going. Ooh. Yeah, I mean, it's just yeah. a lack of, right? I think. Uh, problem. It's yeah. so counterintuitive, though, right? Like, in, in trying to understand it, you can you can understand it so much to a point that you create the problem inevitably <laughs> for yourself. <laughs> well, and that's, and that's exactly the thing. Like, when you're talking about getting out of your own way, like, that's exactly yeah. what we mean. Like, don't try and overcomplicate it or understand it to the point where... All it does is is yeah. twist you up. It just yeah. becomes its own strange loop right back around on itself. Right. Yeah. You got it? You got it? Let's do it. So the, so the definition of a malady is a disease or ailment. Okay. okay. Spiritual disease or spiritual ailment. So, so soul sickness. So could a, you say a that non-conscious or, or a non-physical, non-physical disease. Okay. Spiritual Not malady. knowing yourself, you know. It's just it's affecting the inner part of you that is not physical. Right. So crazy. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's it's good to have the definition just because, you know, I think that especially because we pulled this term from the AA Big Book. And for those of you who don't know, the AA Big Book was written in 1933 or 35. I think it was written in 33 and released in 35. Right. But. Um, and so some of the language in there is fairly, fairly old. Um, it's sometimes it's helpful to have these definitions so that we can say, okay, this is what they meant. Like, yeah. I think probably more common now you would hear something like soul sickness. Right. Um, and I think that I can relate with that. I don't know about you, but everything that we, that we talked about up until this point, definitely like when I was out there using and, and abusing, everything was making me sick deep down at a very spiritual level. Right. Um, right. There wasn't any part of my behavior that I was happy with or that felt like it was, um, who I am as a genuine individual. Yeah. There's always that internal battle. Exactly. Of good and evil. Right. I mean, intoxication, intoxication quiets the voice of good. For yeah. sure, in me, mm-hmm. right? So the, the the longer bouts of intoxication, regardless of the substance, the quieter the voice of reason gets and the louder the voice of destruction mm-hmm. gets. And, and and I listen to that and the selfishness comes through in, in very 
destructive and violent ways, right? Like everything's, everything's dangerous in my life. And, and, um, yeah, like you said, it just makes a bigger and bigger hole. Right. Well, what's even crazier to me is like, just when you're saying that I'm thinking, you know, today, like I can still experience quite a disconnect from my spiritual self in a sense. Right. So what does that look like for me today where, Mm -hmm. where I'm not actively using or abusing drugs, but it, it looks to me like chronic complaining. It looks to me like mm. just just getting <laughs> sure. in these states with my mindset that is naturally not working for me, right? Like mm-hmm. so like complaining, different things like that. Like these are these are states that I get into now that I that I can realize, holy crap, like this is a spiritual malady happening. Yeah. And like any other illness, if I don't treat it right now, it's going to progress. Non sure. non physical sickness. Yeah. yeah. It's physical like disease. your lack of acceptance or a, a lack of acceptance or, um, again, sort of, uh, me trying to take back my will yeah. Yeah. is for sure a way for me to still, um, to th- that spiritual malady will still manifest itself today. Creating um, resentments. Yeah. Creating any mm-hmm. sort of, and it's always me first, right? Like me is in the way every time. Sure. Yeah. I so. mean, for sure. Like I am in. I, I am my own worst enemy in mm-hmm. those instances. Um, more, more so my thinking is the enemy um, because I can think myself into a problem pretty damn quick um, and make, make, uh, you know, mountains out of molehills. That's always yeah. my thing. But, but yeah. So, I mean, if, 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 uh, if a spiritual malady is a disconnection, and, um, and we're not connected to loved ones, to, um, to our behavior, to, um, the things that we're putting in our body, then what is the solution for a spiritual malady? I think it's taking action. Oh, yeah. Faith. Mm-hmm. Yes. I, I would say just action of any sort, right? Like, I mean, that's ultimately what you're looking for when you're in a, a state of, of discontent is, is action is what's going to take you out of it. You know, maybe it's the action of reaching out to, um, somebody like we always talk about, or it's the action of just trying something completely different than yeah. what you typically do. Like for me, that's what I find is taking action. It's not so much like a point in case, um, you know, I've got a really full schedule right now, as, as you guys know, like I'm very busy and, and with a full schedule, like you, I hit points of where I'm absolutely overwhelmed and I hit one of those points recently. And so I did something very differently in the sense that I've, I've sought out, you know, going and talking to a, like a counselor, like, mm-hmm. Hey, this isn't something I've ever done before, but let's, let's give this a shot. And almost immediately before even talking, you know, having the appointment to talk with the counselor, but immediately just after making the phone call to set up an appointment to do something, there was the relief. Right. And so in that I learned that, okay, it's taking action is how I cure these, these moments of doubt, these moments of discomfort. It's, it's taking action, doing the next step. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's what it comes down to for me. No, good call. Well, I mean, the more I mull over that definition, like, the more I realize all that stuff is like, like non-physical disease. Right. And in, in my head, it's just split my head apart right now, you know, between the physical disease of diabetes, cancer, you know, COVID, whatever, 
versus the fear, the doubt, the anger, the anxiety, the the separation, the reclusiveness. Like, like what a what a fucking great thing to be like thinking about because mm-hmm. of what Jordan's talking about, you know, having having a full plate and having all this stuff and this worry that what it, you know whatever the outcome is, <clears throat> that's all non physical disease, right? And yeah. so. So when you take action in a physical manner, like, like what you're talking about, or when we get sober and we start working the steps or, uh, you know, when, when you step back into a gym or whatever, whatever it is in the right direction, for whatever reason that makes us feel better. And so that's a non-physical wellness, Mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm. Non-physical wellness, which would be mental and and all that stuff. So, you know, I think action, I think action is a, a good one. And one of the things that um, I'm working on right now through all this stuff, you know, the spiritual part of my program today is, am, am I willing to even consider the fact that it's true, right? Can I take and imagine that there is a spirit within me and that spirit has been sick for a long time? And if that is the case, am I willing to believe that taking these actions will help make that spirit well and will making that spirit well help me with my bedevilments, right? It, like, like ponder, you know, what is it that you even really believe? And if you're willing to change that definition as you grow, right? Mm-hmm. This, this stuff gets sticky for agnostics and atheists. Sure, and, sure. And, and people that know everything, like myself. <laughs> right. Well, and it's funny because like as you're as you're talking about it, I think something that's helpful for me is to think about what happens when the opposite is true. So if if we're talking about being willing to let to to have this thing exist, right? This spirit within me. Um and 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 allowing that as a connection to be, um, a solution in a way, um, something that helps me to know that that's a fact that that's actually how it is for me. Right. Like is when I add these spiritual elements to my life, my life is in a much better place. It's much improved. Mm -hmm. And something that, um, that helps me to know that is to see what happened when I removed it from my life. (laughs) So like in my case specifically, like I always sort of had a sense that there was a higher power. I wasn't religious, didn't necessarily think that there was a man in the sky, but I could go like, you know, on a hike and see a beautiful sunset and find God in that. Right. Mm. And, um, and for me, like I, you know, drugs and alcohol are becoming more and more of a problem. Life is not turning out the way that I feel like it should. Um, I had all these sort of expectations for what my life was going to look like, what my relationships would be. And nothing is turning out the way that Cameron thinks that they should. Right. And then, uh, and then I have a, a very, very close cousin of mine passed away. I've talked about many times on the show. And it was literally in that instance that I, I, I cursed God out loud, like, God damn you, God, you know? Um, and, and whatever little connection I had with the higher power that was greater than myself, I 
immediately removed in that instance. And to me, it does not feel like any sort of coincidence that things quickly tanked right after that, right? Like all of a sudden, um, everything is a problem. Relationships go to hell. I'm on thin ice at work, driving drunk all the time, consuming more and more drugs and alcohol, right? To fill that internal void. I am removing God from the God-sized hole, and I am now consciously filling it with drugs. I don't need you, God. I got pain pills. I don't need you, God. I've got booze, right? And uh, and I'm making that conscious decision. So I know that it's a spiritual malady because I know what it's like to have that that sickness and that spiritual element of my life removed. Yeah. Um, and for me, it's very very clear because I did make that sort of conscious decision to 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 remove that connection. I can relate. Mm. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I know you can. You know, it just makes me think there's so much more too. like, how do you know when you're, when you're in a state of a spiritual malady? Like, how do you know? Like, right. Like, is there telltale signs that people can catch? Like I, I, I can catch, so. I can catch myself slipping towards old thinking quickly, but how do I know if I'm getting there? And I think the more I think on that, it's, it's what's my self love look like at this moment. Mm. Right. Mm-hmm. I think that's a good, like little little kind of check mark, like to kind of check here. And then like, what does my self love look like? Cause I feel like if you are a spiritually fit and sane individual, you're going to understand that self love's pretty high on your priority list. And, and you're going to understand it to an unconditional level. So that when things that you don't agree with happen in your life, you can still say it's, it's love because it's such an yeah. unconditional love that allows for things that even you don't like to happen. Yeah. Right. So like, how are you treating yourself? Yeah. And also, how, how are you treating other people? Mm-hmm. Right? Like, that's another good yeah. way. Like, mm-hmm. how am I treating the people in my life? How are you treating the people that love me and strangers? How am I, how am I reacting to shenanigans? Sure. Because it just seems to me that the people like myself, you know, and people listening to the show, people that suffer with these problems don't really even realize when you're suffering with it. So it's important to maybe have a few few tips in the bag of, yeah. Hey, this is how I can check to see if I'm where I need to be yeah. today before going out the front door. Yeah. I feel like I, I, I can usually pick up on it pretty quick. Like when I'm reacting instead of responding, like when I'm short tempered, when, you know, I'm impatient, when, mm-hmm. you know, all these sort of de- character defects come out screaming, you know, I can really sort of, and, and I don't know, like this is, this has come, you know, a ways down the road where I'm able to see like, okay, like I don't necessarily like how I handle that, you know, like what, what's going on with me, you know, like, um, and where am I at spiritually? Because it does always feel like any time that that's the case, it feels like there's something in the way with spiritually, mm-hmm. whether it's me, um, whether it's resentments, Something's going on where I'm not as spiritually connected as I as right. I should be. So, what do you do when you find yourself there? Mm-hmm. I I actually just I I ball up in a corner and cry. <laughs> <laughs> I found that to be the healthiest thing. I have an anger pillow. No, I mean, I go back to the <laughs> basics. Is is what I Bring is what I landing, do. Yeah, right? exactly. You know, and, and I go to a place where people know how it feels, and 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 I can talk about it openly. And that's probably the biggest thing is to talk about it mm-hmm. and be open to taking advice mm-hmm. for me. Be willing to 
try the things that are suggested, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Like, like, did you pray? Did did you right. did you read your book? Did you talk to your sponsor? Did you go to a meeting? Did you find somebody that's in a worse position to you, where you've serviced to somebody else? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And no. Right. Didn't you just, I just hear want to all complain the about it? Yeah. But yeah. that's, that's a reminder you're human, right? Like what makes you human other than knowing how to solve your problem, but not want to do it. Cause it don't feel like fun. Well, yeah. And, and that's one of the things that my sponsor reminds me of all the time when I call in him and I'm, I'm beating up on myself because I'm not this spiritual giant all the right, time. And he's right. like, well, yeah, cause you're human. Right. There's, there's that, you know? And, and I go, well, yeah, but I could do better. And he goes, yeah, you could. <laughs> We so, we all could so let let's do better, mm-hmm. let's fail better next time. And you know the great thing about it is is like there's there's stuff that I used to um, uh, destroy myself with that aren't even in my life at all anymore. Like I've given them up completely. You know there's there's chemicals, there's behaviors, there's people, all these things that that I've canceled out completely. And so progression is definitely a real thing, right? Mm -hmm. We claim spiritual progress rather than spiritual perfection. And, and, and I appreciate that statement because, um, it, it, it brings me down to being right sized every once in a while when that perfectionism kicks in and I, and I want to be, uh, justified in, in feeling like shit because I'm not a spiritual fucking giant. Mm-hmm. I'm not. I don't have all the answers. I don't feel great. I didn't treat my wife perfectly or whatever, you know, all yeah. those things that, that having a spiritual malady reflects on, you know, the, the, the great thing about where I'm at today and the, where you guys are is that we're not, uh, consistently killing our bodies because of the spiritual sickness, right? We're not, consuming mass amounts of poison and nicotine and all that kind of shit that we used to just consume unendingly. Yeah. Trying to fill the void. Yeah. Yeah. I actually really, really appreciate that because it's a good reminder, even though, you know, Hey, we're not perfect. Like we have made progress, especially when you think about where we were at, you know, you almost 10 years ago, me six years ago, Jordan, just two you know, mm-hmm. um, and where we've all been, um, compared to where we're at today, man, like things, things are so much better. Yeah. And even spiritually, like, you know, maybe we're not Gandhi on a mountaintop, Mm-mm. but compared to what we were, yeah, you know, we're doing pretty I'll good. take it. At least yeah. I'm willing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that's, and that's a, a huge, huge thing yeah. um, is, is being willing. And, and, and I don't know about, you but for me even becoming willing was a huge obstacle for me spiritual progression right yeah that willingness it's tough you know it it's hard it's hard to get willing like i don't i don't know too many people that got willing without a great deal of pain right (laughs) yeah that's what i was gonna say (laughs) is that it didn't come without without pain and and that willingness is often forced upon us right like Mm. For me, I had no other alternative but to try what you were doing. Yeah, because what I was doing wasn't working. Well, I tried. I tried so many physical things to fix, and and, and I don't mean just drugs and alcohol. I mean in sobriety, sure. being being uh, spiritually sick. Right? I tried uh, 
massive affirmations and diets and workout programs. And I thought if I got to be a certain size or spoke a certain way, if I read this book or that book, or I understood this principle or, 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 uh, was educated on this part of the brain, or if I had this job or this amount of money, if, if my life looked this certain way, it wasn't just drugs and alcohol. I thought that if I knew myself and could manage well, then the spiritual malady in which I didn't at the time believe in mm. would be cured. And and when I found myself that none of those things worked and I was still in a state of darkness emotionally, non-physically, physically I was fine, but non-physically there was a disconnection from something and I wasn't doing okay, then what am I to do? Mm. Right? But be willing to go, okay, well, maybe... <laughs> Maybe there's something to this thing that all these people in recovery are talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, 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 it hasn't come overnight. And that's another thing that, uh, that we, we hear in Mary's story is trust the process. Mm-hmm. Right. And we can do that because we have very, very good examples of other people who have gone <laughs> through that process yeah. and had success. And I think that that's a very, very important part of dealing with this spiritual malady is having hope. And we get that hope through people that have been there. Yeah. Um, because there, there isn't anybody, especially in the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous, and I dare say anybody that's in recovery, period, that hasn't had that spiritual malady at one time. Yeah. And anybody with any sort of healthy recovery, and I'm talking recovery, not sobriety, mm-hmm. but anybody with any sort of healthy recovery has addressed that spiritual malady in yeah. one way or another. Probably more than once. Right. Well, exactly. <laughs> On a daily because basis. We're, we're talking about how Willie is, is, is dealing with it, you know, yeah. now it in, re, in recovery. Yeah. yeah. And, and as we all are. Yeah. Because as you just said, yeah. it changes. It changes. Right? You know, there's actually this quote that I heard amazingly i think it was from wayne dyer and it was talking about like in order to move to another level of of you know move up a level of of spirituality or self-improvement or just whatever you want to attach it to there has to be uh, a willingness to fall right Mm. so to think of it like like he puts it as as like being a high jump like contestant right like so steve harvey you you gotta you gotta jump well, no, this is Wayne Dyer, oh. man. Like Wayne Dyer, I believe, I think it was, but he's talking about like, you've got to propel yourself from one level up over the next level you want to get to, and then be willing to fall down onto that level. And where most people run into an issue is they start to feel that sense of falling when in all reality, you're just moving up, you're just oh. growing, but it feels a hell of a lot like falling until you land on a firm surface again. So a lot of people pull the rug out from under their cells because they feel that they're falling backwards when in all reality, you're, you're still falling forward. Hmm. Well, it's because we don't know, like, and, yeah. and, and that's, and that's the scary yeah, you part. You don't know is, new shit. Too. Right. Like we, you know, we, we're out to try things. We don't know what the result is going to be. And if we're out there in the ether, even though we may be moving up, not knowing will keep us scared enough to even try. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I know that's the case with me anyways. And, and, and that's how it was getting sober, you know, like I didn't know what that was going to look like. I didn't know you know, how to address any of that stuff, um, from a sober perspective. And it kept me sick for a long time. That's funny. I I was thinking when he said that, I didn't know when I got sober, I was going to be spiritual. (laughs) (laughs) I thought, I thought I just needed to not use and 
fixed the problems that the world threw at me, like the physical shit, you know, needed more money, different job, different relationship, different people, all that stuff. I didn't, I didn't know that it would be non-physical in nature. Well, yeah, they told us a lot of shit right off the, right off the bat. That was hard to hear. Yeah. 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 (laughs) It's like. I mean, I just want to stop drinking, you guys. Yeah. Like, I don't know about all this hippy dippy stuff, <laughs> but it spiritual. makes sense, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, and 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 that's that's in and of itself that progress, right? Like you said, spiritual progress um, over spiritual perfection is like we have to um, sort of be okay with the idea that it is a spiritual solution. And what exactly does that mean? Yeah. Well, you know, it means that we have to it's an inside job. We have to address the problem from the inside out. Um, and, uh, and that's been a journey for us, for anybody. Yeah. For Mary, for Mary. Um, it's been really, really interesting to see, um, her, her journey from being so early in the rooms of recovery. Um, and then what that has been like through that time that she's had. Yeah. And, uh, and really interesting using chaos, but yeah, I like how she, how she put that she had been in the rooms of, 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 you know, AA and, and basically just learned, she thought she had learned how to do it her way how to not by being around all these people that had done it their way that didn't work for them. And it's just funny to me that everybody comes to that conclusion that has well, been around it for a while. Yeah. I mean, and that's, and that's the thing is like, we will always find a way to inject ourselves into it. Yeah. I, you know, that's what I found in my, in my case is like, there's always going to be what well, I want to say. There's always going to be, but for me, like there's always that, uh, that thinking that, yeah, but thinking that yeah, we'll yeah, but. I'm not right. I'm not. Yeah. But yeah, but for you, what about me? me? Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's great. Uh, I think a lot of people are going to get a lot from her story. Yeah. She's a great um, speaker. And uh, been through a lot, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's let's have everybody take a listen. Let's, this is let's do Mary's it. Mary's war story. This week's war story is brought to you by Brainwash Coffee. Brainwash Coffee is damn good coffee with a damn good cause. 50% of all proceeds go back into the recovery community, which is why Brainwash Coffee is the perfect partner for us here at the other side of hell. With blends like Higher Powder and Ego Ain't Your Amigo, Brainwash Coffee has your back no matter what your poison. Right now, you can get $5 off your coffee order when you use promo code OTHERSIDE at brainwashcoffeeco.com. Clean your bean with Brainwashed. And without further ado, here is this week's war story. My name's Mary, and I'm an alcoholic and a drug addict. Um, I also struggle with uh, anorexia nervosa and exercise-induced bulimia, and I have complex PTSD. So I am, I'm a real treat. Um, when I was young, uh, you know, our family was pretty normal from the outside, to be honest. We had, we had a wonderful home, two cats, and it's me and my brother and my folks, and they've never been divorced. I was hugged every day and told I was loved, and, and you know, so I didn't have this horrific childhood, but I did have some sexual abuse. And it lasted from when I was uh, about four until um, I was about nine years old. And uh, so that definitely affected the way that I responded to the world. And um, 
and the way that I responded to other human beings and what I thought about my self-worth, you know, having that experience. And then I personally believe that I was kind of born to be an addict and an alcoholic. It's in my genes on both sides of the family. I was fucked from the beginning. But having that experience in my childhood definitely affected how soon I found drugs and alcohol to be a solution for me and, uh, and how hard it and fast it took me down. Um, the first drug of choice was huffing because it was easy to get a hold of. You got the gas can in the garage, you got the you know spray paint. Lacquer was the best because it's clear. So when you spray it, it doesn't show up anywhere, but damn, you can get a good high from it. Um, that was my first experience with checking out, right? And, and numbing in that dreamlike state was something that I chased my whole life. And um, I started smoking at age 10. Um, I remember we had this babysitter and uh, she was wonderful and she was in recovery. Her ex-husband was not. Uh, he she would go off to the grocery store and he would show up with his drugs and, and use her because he didn't have a place. So he used her place to get high while she was gone. And he showed up one day and he put his fat rock on the counter and I said, Hey, uncle, uncle, what's that? And I said, it's for my headaches. I said, ah, does auntie know about your headaches? And he looked at me, he goes, what do you want? And I was like, I want cigarettes. I want cigarettes when I ask for them, as many of them, like on point. And we'll keep this between us. And he said, okay, kid, you got it. So from that point on, I can't smoke all these smokes. That was my very first hustle. I sold more than I smoked because a 10-year-old doesn't have the time in the day by themselves to smoke that many cigarettes. So that was the, the, the first time that I felt like I was in control. That feeling of I'm in control of how this scenario goes. I'm in control of when I get to check out and what that looks like. And so that mentality, the ego and the pride and the how fiercely I wanted to control everything around me started very, very young. Um, he eventually screwed up and, and got high in front of the bathroom door and she couldn't get in, found him in there. And anyway, he screwed the whole thing up for me, but I made bank at the, at the local junior high for a little while. Um, by the time I got into high school, I started dancing. Um, I was on a competition dance team and, uh, and I was good and I loved it. It was the first love of my life was dance um, outside of uh, getting high. <laughs> and it was a motivator for a little while um, until I figured out that if uh, I wanted to have a dancer's body, I needed to not eat like I ate. And so I stopped and uh, to get energy, I would exercise to the point of my body shaking and uh, my body would put out massive amounts of adrenaline. I eventually started to become ill from all the adrenaline. Uh, it's actually not good for you. And so I went to the doctor and cause I had heard that there are these pills that they give you for anxiety. And I had lots of friends that had these pills and they were wonderful. So I also figured out that if you cry enough in a doctor's office, you can get more of those pills. And if you use them up too quick and your prescription runs out, cry again and you can get more. 
And if that doctor doesn't work, go ahead and go to a different doctor and you can get more. And, and that was, it's like the disease of more for me, whatever it is, I got to have more. And no matter what, I'm afraid of that moment when I run out, that fear of running out drove me. So I spent all of high school with no food in my system, dropping weight really fast and high as a kite. And, uh, and I functioned that way. Not great. I was definitely not a nice human being. Um, I hated everybody and in turn they hated me and rightly so I was not a nice person. And I was okay with that because that kept you out here. I don't want to be friends with you. I don't want to be homies. <laughs> like I'm, I have enough friends. I'm good. Right. So straight out of the gate, I want nothing to do with you. And, uh, that lasted all through high school until I got so ill uh, that shortly after I graduated, um, my body uh, gave out and it took a dive. And I never knew how much was gonna get me high, if it was gonna take 10 pills or if it was gonna take one. And uh, my liver and my kidneys were not processing properly. I was 70 pounds the day I walked into a treatment center in, uh, I want to say Wickenburg, it's Wickenburg, Arizona. And uh, the only reason I wound up in that treatment center is because my father got sober when I was young and uh, I was laying on their couch for like the fourth day in a row. I hadn't moved and done anything. I hadn't eaten anything, barely speaking, just coming in and out of consciousness. And he looked at me and he said, I'm not going to let you be in my home and die. If you want to choose to die, you can do it someplace else. And that was the worst feeling at the time that I thought I could ever have. And uh, so I told him, I said, daddy, I can't. I don't know how to not die. I don't know how to not do what I'm doing. So thus got the ball rolling on getting into treatment and figuring out how to get me better. First things first, I had to uh, teach my stomach how to digest food again. I had to learn how to eat again because I had become so disconnected from the basics of human, like the basic things that we do to take care of ourselves. I was completely disconnected. And uh, when I got out of treatment, uh, I walked into Alcoholics Anonymous. And I remember thinking how much bullshit it was that I had watched my dad get sober. I knew better. I knew better. I studied this shit, motherfucker. I went to meetings when I was 10 years old with that guy and listened to you schmucks and thought to myself, there's no fucking way I'm landing in that seat. Like, there's no way. I'm going to do it different. And the thing is, is that I was still doing the same damn thing. And I was so convinced that I was going to have a separate result because I had learned so much from those that came before me. I had educated myself so much. And, uh, but the spiritual malady isn't about education. And uh, the difficulty within me, I can learn as much as I want to, but that education is not going to heal me. That education is not going to fix what's going on. You know, I'm an addict. 
and I'm an alcoholic. And that's just a fact. If you don't have drugs, I won't say no to alcohol. Drugs are my first choice, but I'll take what I can get, right? And uh, that's just how I am. I, uh, I stayed sober for a long time. I had a lot of rough stuff in, in sobriety for me. I, shortly after I entered AA, I got pregnant and I gave up that little boy for adoption. Um, that little boy saved my life. I was planning on committing suicide in my first year of recovery because I couldn't see how life was going to be manageable without my drugs. And so I wanted to be done. And I was developing this plan in my head and writing my letters and all that stuff. And, uh, and then I found out I was pregnant and that changed the game entirely for me. So without that little boy, I might not be here. Um, and I had the opportunity to be part of giving another family a child, which was a really beautiful thing to be a part of. And uh, I still talk to them today. He's amazing. Um, but I stayed sober off that experience for a long time. And there's a lot of shit we went that I personally went through in sobriety, um, domestic violence, uh, rape. Um, I was always hanging out with rough crowds, always having rough nights, right? And it was almost like I felt like I didn't deserve to have something calm and peaceful in my life. I was so comfortable in a shit storm that I just wasn't willing to have contentment and the value that I saw for my, I didn't think I had any value. I really didn't. And, uh, and I can, looking back, I can definitely see how I treated myself that way. Um, I got pregnant again after Brian and I got married and um, we had a little girl and we didn't get to take her home. She passed. Um, I was a week before my due date and, uh, <clears throat> they wheeled me into the maternity ward and they said, baby's gone. We're going to have to induce labor anyway. And, uh, so I sat there for in that hospital room and till labor was over, listening to all these babies being born and you can hear the cries and knowing that mine wasn't going to cry. And, uh, I didn't deal with that. The pain was so intense and so at my core because, well, that's where babies are that I just didn't deal. And uh, it took about four years, but after that, I got loaded because I didn't deal. I didn't do the thing that we do. You know, I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't jumping into the 12 steps. I didn't lean on my higher power. I didn't lean on my people, you know, and instead I, I went back to whatever I can do to disconnect myself. So I started doing other things alcoholically, like working a ton, right? Forget the steps, forget the prayers, forget all that. I'm going to work. I'm just going to get a job and I'm going to work, 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 right? And I filled my life so busy all the time and just didn't take care of myself at all. I was convinced I could take care of everybody else though. You know, I was like the princess martyr, right? Look at all that I've done for you. Now I want what I want when I want it, right? Like there was always that motive behind everything that I was doing. I either want you to think I'm a good person. I want you to 
show me love and I don't know any other way to get it. Um, or I just want to be in the end, want to be able to say, look, fucker, like you owe me, right? You owe me. Nothing was altruistic in that moment. And, uh, and 10 months ago, I got on a group called the Living Sober Group um, on Zoom there every night of the week. I logged in at 5.30 and I said, my name's Mary, I'm an alcoholic and I have 12 hours sober. And after everybody that I knew, knew I had like 17 years, right? And how wonderful that is. You got into AA so young and you've done such a great job. And I had so much ego attached to that fucking time, man. Like so much ego. That was my worth. And, uh, you know, God gives us exactly what we need when we need it. And uh, so God stripped me of my time, right? I got stripped of my time. And uh, hello, humility. You know, um, I have 10 months today, but there's a huge difference and a huge shift that I'm feeling within myself. Number one, doing things like this. I'm no longer afraid to talk about the pieces of my story that are painful. Losing a child is probably the worst feeling you could ever have. But I can guarantee you, there's likely going to be something else that life throws at me that's going to be just as painful, right? Um, but ignoring those things gets me loaded. You know, I hate that my kids saw me that way, passed out on the fucking couch, not able to have a conversation or, or make words that are like that you can understand. You know, that's horrible for a nine-year-old to wonder what the hell is wrong with mom? Why is mom acting like that? You know, I hate that he saw that. It's awful, but it's important that I remember it, you know? And I can heal from that. I'm, I'm, I have a new sponsor and she's wonderful and she pushes me and she tells me the truth. And most of the time I don't want to hear it, but that's okay. Um, I'm making friends. I don't usually make friends, but I'm making friends and that's weird and uncomfortable because I'm, I'm weird and awkward and most of the time pretty fucking socially unacceptable. And it's just who I am. Um, but I'm, I'm making connections with people and I've started to feel calm. I've started to look forward to coming home and being rested and being cozy in my house with my kids and, and having a life that others might think is boring. I'm okay with that. Um, cause doing things like this, these are the exciting things for me. Cause the hope is the hope I pray is, is that somebody's going to hear what I talked about and, and that person's going to go, I fucking went through that too. I wanted to die too. You know, I don't want to die anymore. I don't, I'm okay. Living. I'm good with it. Good, bad, and different. I'm good with it. You know, there's a lot more I want to do. And, um, so I, I'm spending my time now trying to figure out what the fuck I want to do with my life, you know, and it was never motivated to even try and figure it out before, you know, um, I started writing, I started, uh, you know, anything creative, taking photos, um, recording little videos, like doing the things that fill my spirit on an artistic level. And uh, at some point I'll probably share them. <laughs> um, but for right now, it's just enough that I'm doing it. Um, the writing in particular is probably not something I'll share for a long time, but it's important that I do it. Um, 
I work at a nonprofit for uh, pregnant women and mothers that are trying to get sober. It's a six month treatment program and there is no 12 step literature there. COVID hit and the whole program got screwed up. So um, I'm kind of on a mission to get as many 12 step related books into that place that I can. Um, my sincerest hope is that for anybody that hears this, that you understand that you're worth it and that your value is placed in the fact that you simply exist. You're important because you exist, not for any other reason. And uh, if you need help, please reach out to me, um, maryhk84 on Instagram. Send me a message anytime. I will reach back. I always do. Always. I don't ever leave people hanging. And um, it's part of what keeps me sober. So please don't feel like you're inconveniencing. Um, and yeah, that's all I got. I'm just blessed that you let me do this. Thank you. Your value is placed in the fact that you simply exist. I love that. I love that. You know, I just want to say real quick here, like I just became a dad and you did. having watched the birth of my child was enough for me to go, wow, we're all just miracles. Like seeing this kid come out healthy and strong, knowing all the things that could have happened. Um, it makes me realize just what a miracle life is in yeah. general. And I think that she, I really like the way that she comes back to that towards the end, you know, yeah. um, just how beautiful we all are and how, how, uh, how worth it we are just because we're here. You yeah. Know? It, it's, it's hard to internalize that to yourself, but it's, it's easy for me to see that in her. Right. It's easy for me to and see others. that in you. Yeah. But she's right. Right. Mm -hmm. When she says that, she's talking to you and right. she's talking to me and she's yeah. talking to Jordan and she's talking to every listener that we have listening and watching. Yeah. Right? Just you're important because you exist, right? Like that right there, that, that don't, don't complicate stuff. Yeah. Man. yeah. Like complicate it. Don't overcomplicate it. You're, you're important because mm -hmm. you exist. So yeah. just do that. Well, the good news is, is that you can do that without even trying. So. Yeah. So quit trying. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But uh, I just want to say thank you, yeah. uh, Mary. That Went was amazing. Some shit. You know, there were some parts about her story that uh, that really, really hit home for me. Um, what did you get? Well, from that? It, it, like I say, I always say it's so much fun to be able to talk to these people in person. Well, I, I, via Zoom, but one on one because we have such a small slot. But you know, I was a huffer. Yeah. And and mm -hmm. one of the things that I really connected with when she was telling her story, and I told her about this after was. You know, when I was in high school, my mom would give me $2 a day to get lunch mm -hmm. and I could go to the grocery store and I could get some burritos or I could go to the cafeteria and I could get whatever I wanted from there. Or I could go down by the fence in the parking lot and I could get cigarettes from Mary. <laughs> That's what I got. Yeah. <laughs> and so I told her, you know, I had, a, I had a Mary in my high school. That's where I got all my cigarettes. You know, so we had a laugh about that, but you know, that that uh that point of where she was at her dad's house and 70 pounds sucked up and he was like i mean here's a guy in sobriety yeah. that that knows mm -hmm. what's happening here right and and he could see that and and i imagine to his like like how hard that would be to say you know you're not dying here 
you, if you choose to die, you're, you're not doing it in front of me because yeah. I can't take it or whatever his reason is. But I imagine that was part of it. And she was like, all right, I'll go. Yeah. And, and who knows where she would be, even though like she talks about that insanity in sobriety. Yeah. You know, one of the things that we touched on was being addicted to that chaos. Um, she probably would not be here the way that she uses and drinking had she not had that stand sobriety while living in that chaotic life. Mm-hmm. Right. Cause that's what we are. We're addicted to chaos. Yeah, oh yeah. Oh yeah. Well, and I just, you know, I, I really appreciate how she's come back around to sort of addressing the, the relapse in a way that is, is uh, an opportunity for her to look at the spiritual malady. Yeah. Right. Like, and that's where we got this topic was, you know, that's, that's what it did for her is it really allowed her to address what was happening spiritually because she said she had a lot of ego attached to that time. Yeah. And, uh, and I get that, you know, like we have a lot of ego, like oftentimes we have a lot of ego attached to our stories. Yeah. Um, and, and you know, like what a good way to, uh, to snap that ego back into place and look at ourselves right size. Then yeah. hey man, we're not in charge and this could all be taken away at any moment, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and you know, for a lot of us, it is, it's, it's so funny how, how we do that too with, with, with our sobriety and our accomplishments. You know, we, we had that conversation while we were in LA, you know, tell us something that, that uh, you're proud of that normal people would balk at, right? And, and that's one of them. Like, mm-hmm. I've been sober for 17 years, and you announce that in the wrong place, and there's some guy there going to say, I've never taken a drink in my life. Right, right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what are you so proud of? Yeah. You know, we get right-sized, but but it is a big deal, right? And then we do get it construed. We do get it messed up in our thinking instead of being grateful for it, being egotistical because of it, right? Like. And, and gratitude is really where we need to place this time, yeah. not, not in how great I'm doing, but look at what I've been given, not what I've done, what can be done. Like mm-hmm. that kind of, that kind of perspective I think is a great demonstration of spirituality, you know, and she has it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And I, I really appreciate the fact that, you know, we, we get stories from all over and, and, uh, it's great to meet these people via zoom or however, I really appreciate the fact that we were able to meet her in person. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I talked with her for, for quite a bit on camera. All that stuff is still coming guys. Don't worry. Um, and, uh, and she just has this, this energy about her. Um, yeah. pretty amazing. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and I'm honored that she, that she shared her story on our platform. Yeah. And I hope that, you know, somebody got something from that and, uh, and let's pay attention to her call for action. Right. So there's a, there's an organization she's involved with that, uh, that could definitely use any sort of literature. Um, if you guys have any sort of literature that's related to a 12 step program, um, that you can donate, uh, contact Mary and, uh, and see that you can do that. That would yeah. be definitely or us or us. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Either, either one. Um, she did leave her contact information and it'll be in the show notes, obviously. That's right. Um, and we'll make sure that she gets it or, uh, that, that the connections happen as they should yeah. in that instance. But thanks again, Mary. Yeah. Thank you. I really appreciate it. So what do you guys think, man? That is episode 100 triple digits. Wow. What do, I mean, it's a far uh, cry from episode one. I would like to go back and delete episode one through 15, but 
they're too good to get rid of. <laughs> yeah, I I feel that you know I think it took a, it took a second to really sort of find a rhythm with what we're doing here. Yeah, um, what the purpose of the show is, like really what our intentions were. Yeah, and and, uh, and it's been it's been a journey. It's been such it a really process. Has. I've grown so much. I was and, gonna just say there's just so much more that that you know only we get us experience on this side of the table for real for real um because the viewers aren't involved in the planning of every shoot the the editing of every shoot the frustrations when you get done editing or shooting something and then all of a sudden all the footage you just had is missing like there's so much that happens on the back end of this show that nobody gets to see that Mm -hmm. that is challenging and growing opportunities for us yeah finding finding the stories and scheduling and people yeah. showing up and getting that's at least a hundred people that you otherwise wouldn't have met. Right. Like that's yeah. insane when you Pretty look close. at it that way. Pretty close. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and we, we've never made a dime off of this show and it doesn't matter if we ever do. Right. Um, it's all been part of our service and our recovery. Um, the fact that we're able to do this show, um, out of pocket and in the quality that you guys put out, the help, you know, Ryland coming on and and doing his thing, you know. How did we get Ryland? So Ryland was a was an intern from uh, the college. From We're the looking college. for interns. So yeah, uh, credits. We, we basically uh, we were looking for we were originally looking for somebody for our social media, and we found somebody for that. But Ryland came on and said, "Hey, I'm really interested in what you guys are doing and." would love to uh to know a little bit about the editing process and and some of that stuff he's a film student and uh, i said well yeah come come join us i mean what i always tell those guys um is you know like it's an unpaid internship but you're officially making as much money as we do. <laughs> yeah so um yeah. and uh, and his internship's over rylan has just chosen to stay on as part of uh part of the show and has uh, become yeah. a big part of it and i appreciate it, you know like you coming on rylan it's, it's allowed me a little bit more free time to invest back in myself and go back to school and different things like that that would have been a lot harder to do yeah. if we didn't have your help so, so let's, yeah let's think about that willie what are some big things that have happened since the start of the podcast till now for you um, started your own business. Yeah. Uh, I did start my own business. We went through COVID. Um, well, I, I had my, my license when we started the podcast, but I, I hadn't quite ventured out completely alone. So I've been totally self-employed. Um, you know, uh, I've continued to grow. One, one of the biggest things I think that's happened since the start of the podcast is that I became willing to believe in a power greater than myself. Mm. Um, uh, when I started, when, when the podcast started, I was, I was deep into atheism. I was, I was studying and proving God wrong on on every, on every turn, every opportunity Um, in in sobriety. I was, I was sober when we started. I was about eight years sober, eight or nine years sober. Let's see. The podcast now is almost two years old. old. Mm -hmm. And so I'll have 10 years next month in December. And, um, you know, for quite a while I, I had decided that the, and the evidence for God's still pretty fucking thin. It's just, (laughs) I'm willing. Yeah, exactly. I'm willing. I'm willing to, to accept that there is a spiritual solution for it. So that's a big thing. You know, Avery and I 
officially tied the knot. We'd been together for several years. We've been together 11 years now. Mm-hmm. Uh, we tied the knot while this, while the podcast has started. Um, we've all done that. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. We've all true. gotten married. Yeah. You know? I mean, I think I was married. No, you got married. No, you got, you got married. married after we started the podcast. After we had the Did show I? in here. We yeah. were already shooting in his location. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> so yeah, I remember the episode you announced it. Yeah. Oh, that's right. I think Um, it seems weird to me because we just had our two year anniversary. Yeah. And so. So the podcast is older than two years. Well, I think we've been doing it for longer. Yeah. We've really only been going. uh, Brainwash is a official sponsor. Valor is an unofficial sponsor. Um, We have stuff going on with them. We've, we've connected with people all over the world. Um, That's that's the more shocking uh, part. Sober Active Canada. Uh, pro recovery, not so anonymous podcast. Stay stopped, stay stopped for sure. Jack's um, home, SoCal you know, Hope S- SoCal uh, Serenities, yeah. Martin, um, just uh, Fausto. Oh yeah, that's that's the Hope Dealers. Yeah, uh, Team Twelve. Let's not forget Recovery Baddie. Yeah, Haley. <laughs> we love Haley. Yeah, you know Melissa Blakeman's been like probably the number one fan forever. fan of the show forever. Has been. The, the biggest support both uh, personally and socially mm-hmm. uh, has supported the show from day one. Um, we, we know that there's somebody else that shares my name now. Yeah. Um, there's another Jordan out there. So that, now every time you guys say thanks at the end of the show, I, I do question, is yeah. this really for me? Yeah. It's not. It's not, is it? Grounded Phoenix. <laughs> Can't forget Grounded Phoenix. Johnny, yeah. Let's not forget yeah. Johnny. Um Blessed I mean, Savage, all those guys yeah, from LA, Marty, Marty Evans, Jay Hart. Yeah, I, I got my sponsor since, and and, and if it wasn't for the show, mm-hmm. you know what what ended up happening? Me and Marty connected because he won the giveaway. Yeah, and yeah. and we had known each other for quite a while, or for from many many years ago, and mm-hmm. then we reconnected, and and now he's walking me through the steps. He's talking about a god shot, and uh, his recovery's gotten better because of it so he says uh, at least it gives him something to work towards <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Having, having me as a sponsor we get pretty transparent so i mean uh life is better on this side of the table man it's been really really cool mm-hmm. <sighs> yeah it so, really has we should uh we should take a moment and uh just celebrate the fact that uh, that we're still here and, yeah. and we've done some good work ryan phillips throw a shout out yeah but up for ryan oh man there's so many there really is we can't just like start name everyone yeah we can't just name everybody we'll leave people out and just know that we do appreciate all of you who have come on the show and shared your stories and we know that uh with every single one of you somebody out there has heard your story and been moved by it yeah so um, I know if, I certainly have. Yeah, exactly. Like it, it's definitely impacted us and, uh, and we hope that you'll continue to, to share your stories wherever you can. And, and, uh, you know, we appreciate all the support that we've been given over the years and, uh, and we hope to be able to continue to do this. We've got some changes coming up, mm-hmm. some pretty exciting changes. Good stuff. And, uh, yeah, all good stuff. Um, and, uh, we can't wait to share more with you guys on that. So, yeah. um, but anyways, what do you think about wrapping up? Let's wrap out episode 100. One hizzle. So let's do it guys. Remember I am Cameron. This is the other side of hell podcast and you are worth the work. 
We'll see you on the other side. Thanks for tuning in, guys. The Other Side of Hell is a do-it-yourself podcast. For more information, recovery resources, and contact info, check out our website at theothersideofhellpodcast.com. You can help us spread our message by liking and subscribing, giving us a follow, or a five-star rating.